0: A digital world, a digital world. We're going to try and see how this goes this week. I have been, last week we talked about Pinterest. Anyone remember that? Pinterest last week? Comparing ourselves to the idea of perfection? Well, I had someone actually email me. I think this is the way it's going to work this whole month in the digital world. You'll send me things and I'll just post them up here on Sundays. And they said, actually, Pinterest isn't always just about perfection. I didn't know that. They said, Pinterest is also about failure. I saw that. Chocolate is going from the table there. Failure, big failure. And they're smiling about it too. Anyway, I had someone, they posted this. They said, you know what, this is the perfection side. You know what, someone said, I want to do that. Have you seen this before? And then someone said, I tried that and this is what happened. (laughs) See, there is failure on Pinterest. They didn't know. And then they said, uh, has anyone done the craft thing? They said, what can I do for just to waste another six hours of my life? What should I do? I know. I'll go on Pinterest and find a craft. And so they did. And this is the bottle bottom flower. Yeah, that's the way it should look. This is the way it came out. <laughs> Nailed that one. And I like this one. This one was my favorite. Either. Anyone hungry here? The chocolate people? Saw hedgehog cake on Pinterest. Tried that. This is what it came out to be. <laughs> check out the fangs on this thing. Check out the fangs. You see, can you see that? That's like the, that's the lolly thing. I like those. The fangs. Amazing. Yeah, along the way. We are, we are unpacking this month, a digital world, and we're asking the question, who am I? If there is one question life throws at us, it's this one. Who am I? Who am I? The thing that I noticed about and when we go about answering this question is that we usually look outward of ourselves to discover who we are. It's a simple question, but it's a really complex equation. I think it's the combination of where we came from, our ancestry, our genetics, the structures we grew up in, um, who we interacted with, our family of origin, our friends, who we're interacting with now shapes us. And also, what we've done in the past, our skills, our personalities, our character, and what we're doing right now, all of those things seem to shape us. And the overlay on top of all of that is that we're living in a digital world. To just, if you like, complicate it a little bit more. What used to be a private thing now is often very public. We are interfacing with the visual all the time. Now, as we run through this over the coming month, there's two clouds I want to refer to, and I'll keep referring to this over the next few weeks. The first cloud I want us to wrestle with, this idea, to this question of identity, is simply we discover who we are often through other people's eyes. Sometimes those eyes are accurate and have an accurate picture of who we are. Sometimes they're totally out of line. We discover who we are through other people's eyes. And the second cloud, if you like, idea cloud, is that God, from God's perspective, he believes that we are of infinite worth, but in need of great repair. I want to unpack those and refer to them along the way this morning. Anyway, our, our, our digital sort of social media of choice today, as you've guessed, is Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. And just before I go there, I forgot this one. Last week, just to wrap up last week, the pin I asked you to, if you're going to Pinterest something, it was this Simple truth. You are of infinite worth, more worth in God's eyes than you ever care to know. Loved, chosen, and adopted before the beginning of time through Jesus. Well, what does all that mean? It means that there's a God out there that before you even existed, He understood you and knew you. For If you're here this morning and you're, you're wanting to check out God and you're not sure if the Jesus thing is, is accurate for you, Um, Then I just want you, this is really good. I'm glad you're here for these next few weeks. is because you understand and will get to understand some of the core foundations of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This, This simple truth reminds people that when you chose Jesus and decided to say, come into my life and be my king, be my leader, that before the foundation of the world, God actually was choosing you through his son. I know that seems just really way out on a Sunday morning to consider to even reflect upon. God says that he wants everyone to be part of his eternal family, adopted like sons and daughters. And if you would dwell upon that simple, profound truth, it will shape your life and help you understand and answer that question, who am I? Okay, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook. Anyone heard of this Facebook thing before? just a few years ago, didn't even exist. And then one Harvard student decided he had this idea. They made a movie about it, just arguing about whose idea it was first. And uh, they actually say now of Facebook, that if Facebook was a country, it would be the third largest country in the world. If Facebook was a country, it's incredible. And the whole idea of this initial idea of Facebook was that it would connect people. This is what Mark Zuckerberg said recently, to be able to come into work every day and build things that help a billion people stay connected with the people they care about every month is just simply unbelievable. And it is, isn't it? We couldn't believe that such a thing would actually happen and take place. And now for the vast majority of people, not a vast majority, but a good portion, a a country of itself around the world are connected. See, some of the most brilliant things can take place on Facebook. If you're an isolated person, that you don't have the chance to interact with the community around, a bedridden where you are, to be able to interface with people, to actually connect and have a conversation is a brilliant thing. Uh, have you ever had the opportunity to seek someone out you went to school with? Yeah? And, and finally you thought, I can get back to them. Because I, I, if they asked me to be their friend, I could finally reject them and just pay one back. <laughs> You know, I could make them my friend and then I could say, no, no, I'm going to unfriend you. And that'd just be horrible, wouldn't it? Just, but you know, okay, we won't go there just yet. In fact, people, they post all kinds of things. I was going through my wall just this last, because I spent hours on Facebook, you can imagine. And I discovered this, some family here celebrating a brilliant achievement. This is Toby Box and he is playing his first game for North Melbourne at Etihad Stadium. Isn't that good? When you look here in the middle, you can see not only is Toby a ball magnet, but everyone else is like meters away. It's like he's got this repelling magnet. Yeah? I would sign him up, North Melbourne Place if I was you. And then I found, I came across this one. This couple, they were celebrating their wedding anniversary. And I spoke. It's Nandy and Steve, believe it or not, for those who might have seen this. I, I thought, well, are they celebrating their wedding anniversary? Nandy says, no, actually, this was taken 150 years ago. And someone just happened to put it on my wall and it was there this week when I checked. And then I like this one. This is where it starts to get obnoxious. Ever seen something obnoxious on a, on a wall? Yeah. This is one of our own. This is Karen Newnham and she is enjoying herself. So the text that went with this or the little subtitle was Enjoying a little bit of study thanks Paul, which is her husband. And then she sent that out for everyone to just be unenvious of, right? Right. Along the way, because Facebook wouldn't be about envy at all. See, there's some really positive things about Facebook. It connects people in a profound way we couldn't have imagined. We can celebrate things and share it with millions of people that aren't our friends, that they say that they're our friends, but we don't really talk to them apart from posting things. And we can connect with good, intimate friends as well and share things that are of value and importance. And it connects to a wide variety. But have you ever noticed? That Facebook is also a portal for all kinds of things to be shared. And sometimes, believe it or not, human beings like you and I are not always responsible when it comes to things we put on Facebook. Isn't that true? Isn't that right? This week, this is not Facebook, but this was an Instagram thing, and and the only thing that has worth these days are when things go viral. Okay, so that's a new word you've got to learn. Anything of worth and value has to be must be viral. Okay, so this is a um, oh, just blank on his name here for a moment. This is I know Marlon uh, Waylands. He is an American comedian, and he was at a. Beyonce Jay-Z concert this week or a week and a half ago. And he was dancing next to this woman, this white woman that he said was the worst dancer he could ever imagine, right? So this is what he, he took a photograph and then Instagrammed this to the world. Okay. He said, man, I got the most unrhythmic white woman dancing next to me at the Jay and Bay concert. Bang. He had no idea it was our own Delta. Yeah. Delta Goodrum. And so it went, it went everywhere, and then people started to gang up on the Delta thing, right? And then she, she actually gets on her, because this is Delta, not in perfection with all of her flowers around her. <laughs> this is Delta. And she goes, I'll get back to him. I'll, I'll, I'll get one up on him. So she just, she just tweeted out, had a blast last night. Delta, that kiss was... Okay, <laughs> and then she put this link to a YouTube clip on, and we're going to try and make this go if this is it. Who's dancing? Come on! Who's dancing? You want me to to get it started? I'll get it started. So this is the white woman dancing, she said, I'll just get my own little back because of what he. Have, have you noticed that human beings can be a little bit irresponsible when it comes to putting things and posting them for the world to see? Notice that? Simple rule of Facebook is this. If you wouldn't like it to be said about yourself, don't say it about anyone else. Because it lives on there forever. Two politicians just in the last week had to resign their posting here in Australia because of defamatory things that they had said and posted years before that finally got trolled up in that political scheme and they had to actually resign their offices. Have you noticed that human beings like you and I can be irresponsible when it comes to things that we do? Things that we post, things that we say, things that we... Um, convey to other people about other people's things that we just make go public. In fact, I was reading an article this week from a school magazine, and it said something like this. In in our home, there are no such things as failures. There's only opportunities to grow. (laughs) And I thought, man, is that a cop-out? When can you actually say to someone, "No, no, that's just being downright irresponsible. You get up in the morning time, and someone didn't put the dishwasher on? and and you can't eat on the dishes because that is just irresponsible and wrong is it not yeah or someone has left the heater on all night and your energy bill you know is going to be like five times greater that's just irresponsible and wrong so it's not a learning time for growth yeah yeah or what's have you had this one happen to you before you get up in the morning time you're running late you jump in the car that someone else has driven beforehand only to find that it's on Empty. Yeah, yeah. Someone else has experienced that too. And you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get there or not. Yeah, we have this new word that's been generated in our digital world right now. It's called, you, you half own the issue. It's called, my bad. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't put the fuel in the car. Oh, my bad. You know, I, I didn't put the dishwasher. on. Oh, my bad. You know, I, I, uh, I uh, left the heater on all night. Oh, my bad. You know, you know that? It's kind of like just wiping it off a little bit, taking a little bit of responsibility, The truth is, when I understand this cloud, this idea, that human beings are of infinite worth and value to God, but we're also in need of great repair. You see, there's an unfashionable word that describes this kind of power, this attitude, this force. The Bible calls it sin. It's kind of like, my bad, but it is bad. (laughs) Because the effect it can have upon other people... Is profound. I, I slander someone uh, and I post it for other people. I, I'm angry with someone, so I'm just going to put it out there. I, I do things that I wish I could retract and redeem, but I, I can't. It's already happened and I don't know what to do. You see, there's an irresponsibility that runs through the fiber of our beings and it's more than just my bad, it's the cause of the issues over in Iraq and Syria and Israel. It's the causes of the issues and the violence and the anger and the here in Australia. And it marks us as well. It marks us. And that's the thing that, if you like, that you and I can bring to social media things like Facebook. So you can have enormous benefit and good, but it also tells us something about who... We are. Last week we started to unpack the first chapter of a letter that a man by the name of Paul wrote in jail. 2000 years ago he was writing to a group of Jesus followers. Now, this, this Paul was someone who opposed following Jesus and he actually would condemn, capture, and he would jail and kill people who identified with Jesus. But he was going around the countryside now changing his tune, saying, there is a king and his name is Jesus and he's far bigger and greater than what you imagine. You see, Paul had a revelation and actually had seen the risen Jesus come to life. I mean, I would love for everyone to experience such a dramatic encounter with God in that way. But so revolutionary was that he changed his tune and as a result of it, he was thrown into jail. And from that jail cell he penned a letter to other followers of Jesus to say, in the midst of your heartache, in the midst of your circumstances, do not forget these things because if you allow them to shape you, they'll remind you of who you are in God's eyes. So he goes on and he writes this. I love technology, don't you? I just love it when it works. <laughs> in the King, Jesus, he says, and through his blood we have deliverance, redemption. That is, our sins have been forgiven through the wealth of God's grace which he lavished on us. You see, Paul gets to a point here where he's writing to them and saying, I want to remind you about this king. And if there's one thing that I want you to grasp about this king is that he's into this word delivering. Another word for it in the Bible might be redemption. Redemption. This idea at the heart and the coalface of what it means to follow Jesus and be a Christian is this word, deliverance. Deliverance from something that has had you in its grip, something that's marked you, something that influences you and enslaves you. Jesus is on about at the core, delivering you from that. Some years ago, my wife and I, we were married like Dan and Alana will be in a week's time. And early into those first few years of being married... My wife woke up one morning and decided that she would give me a present. She decided to go and purchase some lovebirds. Yeah? Now, does anyone know what a lovebird is? They're cute little characters. They're about this tall and, and they're in love. They come in pairs. That's why they call them lovebirds. They don't hang out by themselves, they get. Hooked in a Facebook and they meet singles and they actually find another lovebird out there one day. Yeah? And, and so she went to a pet store and she bought two lovebirds, cute little furry things. You know, the idea of the lovebirds, you bring them in the cage, and they're supposed to sing to you. You wake up in the morning and you're just, you know, your eyes are and, and those birds are supposed to sing beautiful songs of love over you as a couple. Yeah, just beautiful. Just think about it now. And so she had them, and she had them in the, in the kitchen. It was a small little house, and she had them in the kitchen. And so when we woke up in the morning, when we were calling people on the telephone, when we were turning on the radio, those lovebirds would sing. See, when there was other noise, they would sing. But what we didn't realize is that they would sing louder than the level and the volume that you were talking at or on the phone with or on the radio, yeah? So after about a few days... We realized that these lovebirds would just get louder and louder. And you talk louder, then they'd sing louder. you you talk louder, they would sing. You know how it goes. But their sing wasn't the love kind of Delta Goodrum kind of smooth, easy listening, 104 point whatever. Yeah? No, no, no. It was like a shrill. <laughs> it was like a shrill. Have you ever had your fingernails run down a blackboard? It was that kind of shrill. And so after a few days uh, that turned into a couple of weeks, these birds would just start to scream every time you started to talk. There was no love. There was not much love happening in the house, I can tell you this. It was just a nail board thing, yeah? Until in the end one day I said, we need to be delivered from this evil, I said, honey, those birds you brought me to sing over us and just love on us every day and remind us of this beautiful romance. It's going to kill us. It is going to divide us. So I, I grabbed the cage one day and I took it out to the back and I sat it out on the back step. Yeah, I closed the door. She said, you can't do that. You can't do that. They're little birds. little." For I said, no, we need to be delivered. <sighs> After about 45 minutes, I'd forgotten about them. She said, look, they're awfully quiet out there. I said, yeah, I'll go check. I uh, opened the door, and the next door neighbor's cat <laughs> was like this. Less than 30 centimeters from the those little birds, they were like. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, try singing now, huh? It's my payback. Woo, Instagram that one, you know. <laughs> I took them back to the shop and I delivered us from the I said, you just have them for free. Please. Take them from us. And so they did. You see, at the core and the heart of following Jesus is this profound, profound, deep insight that what Jesus did in dying on a cross and shedding blood, even though sometimes it doesn't make all the greatest sense, but it did in that culture and place and still has import today, is that Jesus said when he died and he rose from the dead, he was breaking the power of that irresponsibility that runs through all of our lives. The power of sinfulness and selfishness that wants to slander and get angry and fight and argue and divide. And that's the very heart of what has marked God's world for bad. And Jesus said, I want to bring it all together and try and reconcile it. So people who were at odds with each other would now be together. And that you would actually be instead of at odds with God, that you would come to know him deeply through his blood we have a deliverance. Sins have been forgiven. Now, is anyone here this morning that has ever said something, done something that they regret? Hands up. Thank you for your honesty this morning. Those who didn't just lied, that's one. I need you to know that. My bad, your bad. Okay. See, the whole idea at the heart of following Jesus is this, this sense of deliverance. But what I know happens in our minds when I do something that I regret that I wish I could retrieve, that I would love if I could just actually have that moment again, if I could retract those words, if I could change that attitude. It would be that there would this be this sense of deliverance, but what happens in my mind, it's like a tape recorder. It replays it again and again and again. Do you notice that? And usually at the weakest times where you've failed again, there's that little tape recorder that hits rewind. I mean, Jen was talking about it this morning. This, this thought that just floated through. And you hit rewind, and it rewinds the scene, the incident, the time, the event, the yes. And you rewind it again, and you play it over again, over and over and over. It's like it's just caught on this rewind. See, the Bible says that there's a devil out there that loves to accuse, and I just find in my life that I do enough accusing of my own. Rewind, play it again, my failure. Rewind, play it again, my failure. My wife, when, she was over, when we were overseas together, she, she worked with a group called the Heart Group, Healing, Emotional and Abortion-Related Trauma in Women's Lives. There were some women she was dealing with that were experiencing great trauma as a result of having made a decision earlier in their life that they were trying to escape the guilt from. That's what they were experiencing. And when she unpacked what was going on in their lives, some of them would say, you know, I'm a workaholic because I'm trying to get away from that, the rewind button. Someone said, I'm an alcoholic because just the rewind button. She described one lady who would go through all of her house literally with a toothbrush scrubbing out every little bit of dirt and grime because the uncleanliness she felt on the inside was what she was trying to actually rid on the outside. Just the energy, the trapped, and at the heart of following Jesus is a deliverance. A deliverance from guilt and shame. A deliverance from power sometimes that our irresponsibility holds over us. To set us free to come to know God and to be in a new place and a new position. That can break the cycle of rewind because it inserts it with a new truth. The truth that there's a God, even when we were irresponsible, became responsible for us and sent his son. So he was the one who paid a price we couldn't pay. Defeated the power of sin and death over our lives and break that so that you might experience a deliverance of freedom to come and restore the relationships perhaps that you broke and also reconnect with the God of this universe who loves you. That, my friends, is at the heart of what it means to experience and know what Jesus and the good news of his life being king is all about. And God says in just one little pen stroke, and it was his good intention to do so, From the very beginning. From the very beginning. And then Paul, he finishes up by saying these things. Yes, with all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the secret of his purpose. Just as he wanted it to be and set it forward in him as a blueprint for when the time was ripe, his plan was to and is to sum up, that is to gather all things together one day. All of the creation in the cosmos that is fragmented and broken and in discord and disharmony, all the irresponsibilities and the sinfulness and the hurt. He says one day his plan, it was a blueprint to come and to deliver people from that power and that force so that one day everything may be summed up, the whole cosmos under his leadership as king. Yes, everything in heaven on earth in him. Wow. And these are words from a man who was sitting and rotting in jail, saying that the Caesar in Rome isn't the real king. I want to tell you about another one. His name's Jesus. And by the way, the whole world one day will be summed up and wrapped up under his leadership. That's the one who came for you. Wow. If you want to put something on your wall this week, the next time... You hit the rewind button. The next time you actually rewind that failure and that circumstance and those words and that event, put this one on your wall. You are forgiven, washed clean, delivered from the power of sin and death that has infected God's world. So celebrate wildly. Because if God doesn't condemn you, then who else possibly can? You are forgiven and washed clean. You see, if you're here this morning and just checking out Jesus and wondering, what is the power? What is that event? Why do sometimes followers of Jesus wear a cross? It's because at that place in history, God was delivering and making it possible for every human being who turns their face to him, bends the knee and says, you are the king, come into my life and forgive me. He says, past, present and future. That is now true of you. Now, it doesn't mean at that moment you and I can go, great, I'm forgiven. Now I can be irresponsible all I like. Because now I'm forgiven. Jesus would say, then you haven't really understood what forgiveness is all about. I was in our journeys group this week, and someone said, do You know what? At the end of the day, when we die, you know, uh, if I've done 51% good and 49% bad, you know, will your God, will God, will He allow us into, you know? We said, Actually, it doesn't work that way with Jesus. It's not on the basis of what we do that secures our place with Him, it's on the basis of what He has done. The band's going to come up in a moment, they're going to play. A lovely tune that actually talks about this, this desire of God to actually be in people's lives and to actually put in effect a blueprint that you can be part of, to be wrapped up in the heavens and the earth for eternity with Him. In fact, if you like, it's something that's the heart of following Jesus, and that is a deliverance. <laughs> you see, I remember a man once who was described as being in a pub with with another lady. She was talking to him about these profound things. And he turned to her and he said, If you understood what these hands have done, you wouldn't tell me that that kind of truth is for me too. He was feeling the dirtiness of his hands. And he said that she came over to him. She took his hands. And You kiss them. So you don't understand the love and the grace and the goodness of God that makes a way for you, forgiven, washed clean together. There's usually two people, kinds of people I discover when we talk about these things. First one is this, the person who says, I have no idea what you're talking about. That there would be a God who would actually forgive, wash clean, no more shame, no more guilt. Is that true? If That's you here this morning and you want to discover more about who that person is. Take one of these green booklets. Tell you more about the gratefulness of a God and the graciousness who does things for us, even when we're irresponsible. The second kind of person I come across are those who go... Yeah, I think God can forgive me. He's big enough for that. I can't forgive myself. Rewind. 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 See, the guy who wrote these words used to capture, condemn, and kill people who identified with following Jesus. Kill. And he says, I've discovered that you are forgiven, you are washed clean, you are delivered from the power of sin and death, has infected God's world. So celebrate wildly because if God doesn't condemn you, then who else possibly can? We discover who we are through other people's eyes. When we look in the mirror, when we go digital, we see the things we've said, done. We look in the mirror and say, you father, you've made a mess of your life. You've done wrong. Maybe even I've done pretty good, but there's that time. Then you're looking at the wrong thing and the wrong person. The idea is that you're to look into the eyes of Jesus. And allow him to pour over you the reality and the truth that you are forgiven. So this week, when the rewind buttons hit, you can say, stop. That is not true. I want you to think and dwell upon that truth. I want you to act. Maybe as part of becoming responsible, you need to go back to someone and say, I did wrong. Can I put it right, please? Or maybe you get plagued by the rewind button so much that you just need to tell someone else to hold you accountable, to help you some expert advice that that will help you allow that truth to penetrate your heart and your life. It's worth celebrating wildly.